Welcome to Mind Love, episode 90. Today's episode is all about dating with dignity. We need to have like a strategy to actually bring the part of our brain online that is our adult self, the one that goes to work and makes really smart decisions. You know, the one who is a really good friend, the executive function of our brain, the prefrontal cortex literally goes offline when we get that uh, angsty feeling. And so we're not able to make conscious choices. So one of the most simple things that you can do to reenact with is called the mammalian caregiving system, which is very lizard brain stuff. When you do one of these behaviors, it self-soothes. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Have you tapped the subscribe button yet? More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. Hello, friends and wild people. And for this episode, single people. Today, we're talking about dating. Well, not just dating, dating with dignity. I think we all have some of those stories in our dating lives where we just shake our heads and think, I can't believe I actually did that. Especially in high school and even college, you know, that crazy time where most people are pretty insecure while also having no idea what the F they're doing. (laughs) That was me for sure. Looking back, I was pretty insecure and also really crafty, which can be a really dangerous combination in relationships. (laughs) And I was also dating people who didn't really value me or our relationship in the ways I deserved. And I didn't know how to find people who wouldn't be that way. So I'm thinking of my first boyfriend. One time I straight up hacked into his text messages by hacking into his Sprint account and just like figuring out his password and then finding all of his text message logs. And I think I'm only secure enough to admit to this behavior because I'm now married. (laughs) It was not my finest moment. I actually remember being simultaneously ashamed and kind of proud of myself for being so resourceful. But if I had been dating someone who actually treated me well, it probably wouldn't have come to that. Not saying I'm placing the blame, but the thing is, is when we are settling for behavior that doesn't really acknowledge our true worth, a lot of times our own behaviors will match the worth that we're currently playing out. And if I'm being real with myself, I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted. I wanted a relationship because I thought that that relationship would make me happy. And it wasn't until years later that I realized going into a relationship that way is basically just asking for dysfunction. You know, I'm going to share one other crazy thing I did, and I'm being this vulnerable about it because I want to create a space for you guys to kind of own your crazy because it's only when we own our current behavior or our past behavior that we can move on from that. So one time I remember meeting someone I was pretty interested in and just hanging out at the places I thought he'd show up. And not just in a way where I'm like, well, I think he likes this place. 
I remember actually realizing that his roommate was pretty active on Foursquare. If you don't know what that is, it was an app that people used to use to check into the places that they are so you'd know where they were and friends could show up. Well, I figured there was probably about a 20% chance that he'd be with his roommate. So I would just casually stop by the places that his roommate was and be like, oh, hey, Andy, fancy seeing you here. Weird, this is the 17th time we've run into each other this week. Is your roommate here? And actually, it it did kind of work. I did date that roommate. (laughs) I mean, I'm not proud of it. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit proud of my resourcefulness. And that relationship didn't ultimately work out. I can't imagine why. But today we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the ways to attract a relationship that don't involve stalking. I know, pretty mind-blowing, right? When I met my husband, it was completely organic. And part of what I attribute to making such a deep connection with somebody who's so perfect for me is that I took a lot of time that year before to really work on myself and to get clear on what I wanted. And when I've actually sat down and taken the time to do that in any area of my life, that area always starts to open up and become more aligned with what I truly want. And most importantly, what I truly deserve. So today we're talking to Marnie Batista, a certified professional dating and relationship coach. She's the queen of making people irresistible to the person that they want to date. And especially now that we're living with that buffet in dating, you know, that try it and leave it approach with all the Tinder and Bumble apps and all of that that just makes everything more confusing. So Marnie's going to teach us how to find the perfect person without sacrificing your dignity or your professional goals. So three key things we will learn are how to use your time being single to make sure you're actually ready for a relationship, tips to make sure you're on the same page with your date from the very beginning, and how to date after the Me Too movement when a lot of decent men are afraid to make the first move. Real quick, have you signed up for the morning mind love yet? Sometimes waking up on the right side of the bed can be a little difficult. The Morning Mind Love delivers short messages to your inbox with a thought or a tip to start each day on a positive note. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a really cool booklet of Powerless to help you gain clarity and live with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Marnie Batista to the show. I'm super pumped to be here. So I'm curious, what got you started being a dating coach? Were you always interested in helping people find love? (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny. I think that I was boy crazy, you know, back in the 70s. I just like came out that way. Literally historically made really bad choices. You know, like my boyfriend when I was 14 was like a bad for you boy. And so I think that what happened over like the course of those relationships and then being married for 17 years and getting divorced and getting into a relationship with another guy that just, you know, same version of my ex-husband, cuter, younger, still not a great guy. And I had three daughters 
And I was like, all right, universe, I do not want my children to have this sort of future with men. And what is it going to take for me to kind of get myself together? And so I went on that journey. And when I did that, my whole world opened up and everything shifted. And I met my husband and I started doing this for clients. And I just realized like, wow, this is actually repeatable. You know, it's not just a one off. And it's my passion. It's what I'm here to do is not only to help women find love, but help women understand how worthy and and valuable they are. It's funny because just this week, it was one of my best friend's birthday. And so we went around the table to tell her what we loved about her. But we couldn't help but sort of roast her at the same time about having such a bad picker, <laughs> as ah. one of her friends called it, because it's a lot of times it's really difficult to break those patterns of choosing the same wrong man over and over again. So I'm wondering, why do some people seem to learn their lesson the first time <laughs> and just move on to something that is more aligned, while some of us tend to make that same bad decision over and over again? Mm, well, So first of all, port number one is that if you're like, oh my God, that's me, just understand that you're not the only one and to forgive yourself for it and have some grace. Because what I find is women who have their act totally together on the outside and then they have this little dirty secret, right? Like, I can't believe I'm with this guy or I can't believe I put up with this guy. And that doesn't help. It kind of perpetuates the problem. So the first thing is just be like, I'm still a good person. I just have something I need to learn a lesson. So that's number one. The second thing is this. So (laughs) it's sadly true that we are basically trying to get the love that we did not get when we were children. And people show love and experience love in different ways in different families. And no matter how smart you are, no matter how great your family was or how dysfunctional your family was, there's something there for you that is having your experience of love feel a certain way. And the men you choose are giving you that feeling and it's not adult healthy love. So you got to kind of go back and pull the threads and change your wiring. Sometimes though, when we look back at whatever dysfunction we had in our childhoods or whatever was going on with our parent situation, sometimes it's difficult to really see what was really going on or what you really were missing. Whereas maybe somebody on the outside might be able to do that, but it's hard to say like, oh, well, my father wasn't quite as available as I wanted him to all the time. You know, it's like sometimes you might think that that's just how families are. So what is a step that might be helpful to get clarity around that wrong thing that you might be choosing so that we can go and change it? Mm, It's so important. So here's what's really cool, too, is I work with women sometimes and they're like, well, I had a perfectly fine family. You know, I didn't have divorce or I didn't have emotional abuse or I didn't have any sorts of like typical traumas with a capital T. So the first thing to do is, and that was my story, by the way, like I had a great family, like Midwestern Jewish family from Iowa, looks good. And my dad was a great dad. He worked a lot and he traveled almost every single week and only came out home on the weekends. And when he was there, like we totally like he played baseball with us and touched football and we have, I have all these great memories. But what I learned from that is just a little is enough. 
and that crumbs, so to speak, are okay. And that you shouldn't, you don't ask for anything more. And my mom, when I was growing up was like, you know, your dad provides us with this lifestyle. Like this is like, we should be grateful. That's just the way it is. Suck it up buttercup. And your question is so brilliant because you know, why would I ever think that that could be causing me to have a bad picker? Because that was my truth. That was the reality. Like you should just be grateful. Like your dad's a great dad when he's there. So the first thing to do is to start asking yourself what I would call a higher quality question. Meaning instead of saying, why does this always happen to me that I'm attracted to the merry guys? Or why does this always happen to me that I'm not attracted to the guys that like me? that question isn't going to be helpful (laughs) because it's like, (laughs) takes you down like a little rabbit hole, right? Like, I don't know. So reframe into a higher quality question. What is it that I'm not seeing that has me not attracted to a guy when he's nice to me? Or what is it that I could learn about how I react when a guy's really nice to me? Or are there any patterns to around the kinds of guys that I seem to be attracting that would help me figure out why I am not successful in dating right now? Right. Mm-hmm. So when you flip the question and make it a me question, that is actually something that is empowering versus something that's disempowering. You actually can start to trace the where did this come from? And by the way, in the end, yes, it's helpful to know where it comes from. But most important is what will you do with that feeling now? I love that. And, you know, creating those types of higher quality questions is such a great skill to develop anyway for any area of your life. Like when something is going wrong in my life or some pattern keeps repeating, that's especially my sign. It's those repeating patterns because I'm like, okay, I must not have learned the first time this is back in my life or what is this still trying to tell me? And so being able to reframe that to figure out what the meaning is with almost anything going on in your life is such an incredible skill to have because that's how we continue to progress, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. So what's cool is like, I keep having guys who ghost on me. So instead of going like, oh my God, men are flakes. What's wrong with this freaking app? Like, you know, there's no good men. Okay, that's not going to be helpful. But if you go, gosh, I wonder what the universe, God, whatever you want to call is trying to shine. What's the light that is trying to be shed here for me to see because I'm being ghosted? Well, first of all, if you're a smart woman, which most of your listeners are like, that's actually a creative question. Like there could be a million answers and way more fun, way more empowering to start thinking about it like that than why are there no good men on this app? (laughs) So true. I'm wondering though, it's great having a guide. Like that's why I love coaches in general, because it's like they've gone through the process and then they've actually figured out how to make that repeatable in a way that's a lot more, I guess, it's usually a much shorter process when you have somebody just guiding you through that. Totally. But you figured this out seemingly in a more organic way. Before we totally expand our minds, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. 
Every weekday morning, you just get a little inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a super powerful 30-minute affirmation meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A., then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Where did you start in order to create the process that you use now? I love that question. So first of all, I always just like to presence to the before. So I've been doing this for about 10 years and I've been divorced since, gosh, 2004. And I had a really, really bad relationship right after I got divorced in 2004. And I was, you know, like on the outside, it looked totally like I had my, my act together, right? So I had three cute little girls and we... And and I got a pretty decent divorce settlement. I had like a nanny and I like I, you know, went to the gym and and I was trying to fit in drive-bys, you know, for my ex-boyfriend to see if he was with the new girlfriend, like, you know, before <laughs> pickup. Right. And it was like, what if like anyone knew that? I mean, I was like cleaning out his like drawers and I had a housekeeper to clean out my own drawers, you know, and it just didn't <laughs> line up in any way, shape, or form. And so what I realized was, and this is the pattern thing. I thought instead of saying like, I attract these guys who are bad boys or whatever, it's like, okay, the common denominator in all my failed relationships is me. Right. So mm -hmm. that was where I started the process. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to quit blaming them. Oh, but it's so much fun to blame them because they're usually such douchey guys. But I was like, all right, I'm going to take I'm off the table and I'm going to say, I'm the common denominator. So what's really, really going, what's really, really going on here? And one of the first things, and this is where I was like, yeah, trace it back to your childhood. But also what I started to notice is when I had that like jonesing sort of feeling for like 
where is my ex-boyfriend? Or when I was dating, why isn't he calling me back yet? Or picking up my phone all the time. Or coming home from a date and feeling angsty and getting back online right away. Right? (laughs) And I was like, what are the feelings that are coming up for me that are making me want something from the outside to make me feel good? And I was like, oh, that's crazy. So what I stopped doing, I call it the dating fast, and I recommend it for all my clients at the beginning, is I put myself like I'm recondoed. That's what you'd call it now. I'm recondoed my dating life. I was like, okay, uh, none of this is bringing me joy, uh, actually. It brings me a hit, like, you know, a little crack hit, but it's not bringing me joy. So once I realized that I didn't like the feelings that were coming up when I wasn't getting that instant hit of validation, I decided that I should sit in that for a while. And that's, and that, oh girl, that was not fun at all. But I really got the clarity to really see what was going on because without having that need for validation or distraction filled, that's where all the juicy stuff was to start doing the work. I love the idea about asking yourself what feeling that you're seeking outside of yourself, because I think really everything comes back to that. I was just playing that game with myself recently because I love buying things. I just do. But I also love minimalism and having less. <laughs> and so I have this process of stopping myself when I realize I'm on Amazon too long. And I was like, yes. well, what am I craving right now? I'm nesting. And I could definitely talk myself into the idea that it's totally fine to nest. And, you know, this corner of my house does need a new bookcase and all of this stuff. But then I thought, well, what else can give me that level of comfort and coziness that I'm looking for right now? And how can I cultivate that without buying something new and then ask myself if I still want that? (laughs) Because it'll shift. And so I created this little cozy nook and I read a book and I made this delicious chocolate maca hot drink and suddenly my coziness was fulfilled. (laughs) So Mm. to do that in dating is so great because you can be doing that with the same thing with a guy where you're like, well, what am I craving? What is it about this man who might be toxic in a bunch of different ways that he still feeds that need or that emptiness in some part of myself, how can I give that to myself first? And then chances are you're not going to crave that man anymore. Well, yeah. And by the way, it happens even if you're dating like, and he's a good guy, right? Because we feel most of the time what happens is we feel out of control, Mm -hmm. right? We're like, I want to be in control. I want to know, am I safe? Because I'm not, and I talk to women all the time, of all ages, by the way, and it's like, well, he didn't call me back. He wasn't that great anyway, or it's his loss, or you know what? I don't need a man, right? Like we just start to sell ourselves on the fact that we shouldn't care. So it can happen with a good guy. It can happen with a bad guy. It's just that we want to feel safe when we want to feel in control and we don't. And so then all these feelings come up and we're trying to numb them with behaviors. And what's really great about all of these things is, and I love that you brought up shopping because you can be like, okay, so I'm feeling angsty. He didn't call me back. I'm going to check my work email. Oh, great. And that takes me out of my feelings. I'm going to, you know what? I totally need to order 
cat food on Amazon. No, by the way, there's a special. Then I click on that, like, or, you know, whatever it is. And so we're constantly, especially in today's society, having easy access to numbing behaviors. So even if it's a good guy and you're just like, why didn't he call me back? Just sit with the feeling, try to give yourself, you know, count to like, shoot 120 and just see if first, if you can start for two minutes and just ask yourself, what am I feeling? Sad, mad, scared, angry, frustrated. Like if you go down there, you'd be like, well, then what's, what's really going on? And then you can say, well, does this remind me of something else in my life? Like in the video replay of my life, does this feeling seem familiar? Does there another time where this feeling came up? Oh yeah, I remember like, you know, that I wanted to get something for my birthday and I was really waiting for it and I was really excited about it. And then I found out that my parents had an emergency and they canceled my birthday party and I didn't get what. I want. And that's when I got rejected. That's when I felt rejection. Oh, crap. Oh, my God. This has nothing to do with that, right? Like, you can just totally trace it back and then go, what do I really need right now? And like you said, you know, I need to feel cozy. So how can I do that for myself? And then you are like in the most powerful position. So when you do actually figure out that route and you give the solution to yourself, how do you make sure that you don't repeat those patterns. Does it usually just melt away? Because sometimes these things are so ingrained that we have to have this extra amount of conscious awareness as we're making a new decision or making a new choice coming up. So how does that work for you? One of the things that I love to do is when I have that awareness that I'm having a feeling and it is triggering something from my past. And by the way, I'll say for any of your listeners who are in relationships, I've been married for five years with my husband for 10. This happens when you're in a relationship too, right? So the feelings are the feelings. So when I can trace it down, it gives me that information. But here's the thing. We need to have like a strategy to actually bring the part of our brain online that is our adult self. The one that goes to work and makes really smart decisions. You know, the one who is a really good friend. The executive function of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, literally goes offline when we get that uh, angsty feeling. And so we're not able to make conscious choices. So one of the most simple things that you can do, and I'm going to give you the one that's not take a deep breath because that's pretty common, (laughs) but there's a whole body of work by a woman named Kristen Neff, and she is an expert on self-compassion. And one of the strategies that she uses is to reenact what is called the mammalian caregiving system, which is, you know very lizard brain stuff. And when you do one of these behaviors, it self-soothes. So one of them is that you rub your fingers, like you stroke your cheek, like you were like a little child, right? That you just rub their face. You do that to yourself. You can hold your own hand and like rub your thumb over the other hand. You can put your hand on your belly and kind of rub your belly, or you can put your hand on your heart. So practice, pick one. You can also ground your feet to the floor. You can literally start taking steps and just feel every part of the step as you walk and really feel the floor. So all of these things will activate your prefrontal cortex 
so that you can ask a better question. And then you could say, what's a choice that I can make that is going to take me towards my vision? What is the choice that I can make that is going to make me feel empowered? Right. So that's allowing you to start to make adult self decisions rather than those triggered kind of lizard brain decisions. I love those little body hacks. I did an episode a while back now with a woman named Noah Belling about the mindful body. And she had so many little tricks about like, you know, you want to make yourself feel soothed or you want to open your heart or you want to ground yourself. And those things really work. I went on this long kick with them. And so thank you for reminding me about them because it's just really cool. Like we are mammals. We are animals at the end of the day, which is why our self-care is so important, like making sure we get water and sunlight and food and the basics just to keep ourselves sane. But it's so funny because there's something about love that can still bring out our crazy. <laughs> I always learn from my past relationship. So no two relationships have ever brought me the same problem. And now I'm in a very healthy one. But I can look back to my high school relationship, especially. And man, I was using a phone number spoofer to like, call him from his own number so that the voicemail would be activated without a passcode and I could check his voicemail. Ah! <laughs> like the crazy that I, it just makes my gut wrench right now thinking about how shameful that is. Why does that side of us come out? Because well, here's the thing, no matter how awesome your parents are, there's always a little bit of a shame message or an I'm not enough message. I mean, it's impossible to not have something around that. And so when we invite another human into our world, it activates all of that. You know, that's what I love about love and relationship is that it literally shows you what you can learn where your weak spots are. So if you're a person, and obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you're all about like growing and becoming the person you're supposed to be, right? The meant to be. You can look at all those challenges, right? And instead of shaming yourself or feeling ashamed or embarrassed or hiding it, you can be like, wow, I am so superhuman. <laughs> I am human. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional, right? So I can just embrace it, embrace my humanity and say, great, well, then what can I learn? Because I believe, and this is my opinion, if you talk to people who are in long-term relationships, 25 years plus, my colleague calls it normal marital hatred. You know, there's just those moments where you're like, I freaking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you are so annoying. But when you're in a committed relationship, you go, okay, and now what? Like now what? So what? What am I going to do about it? How am I going to learn? How am I going to grow? Because your partner is always going to trigger you. I totally agree. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. EstroControl is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. 
It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and EstroControl is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. When I really look back at my past relationships and the ones that the crazy came out and the ones that didn't, one pattern that I noticed was that you know, my crazy came out a lot of the times when I felt like I needed to protect myself in some way. Like I was seeking mm-hmm. to find validation for this way that I was feeling, which was really my intuition telling me that, hey, there's a lot going on here, or hey, this isn't for you, or whatever it might be. And that first relationship for me was with somebody who got biggest flirt in my high school. He mm. cheated on me all the time and wouldn't admit it. And so I'd find out, but then I didn't respect myself enough at that time to move on. To me, with every moment of cheating, it was like, well, if I was good enough, he wouldn't have cheated. And so what can I do now to prove that I'm even better? Like I was even letting 
I let him have a threesome with me and my friend. And I, he was the person I lost my virginity to. Like, what was I thinking? I was in high school, you know, like just the weirdest things trying to prove my worth. But then other relationships that didn't come out at all. The ones that I knew were trustworthy. I never once even wanted to check their phone. So sometimes I think what you're willing to put up with is what the pro those problems will come out. And if you are allowing yourself to be subject to something that you don't think you're worth, then you're going to feel that level of worth throughout the experience, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, that's why, and I love that you shared that. I mean, if you put a hundred women in the room and we all put our crazy, you know, in the middle, it'd just be like, it'd be a great book. (laughs) (laughs) We've all done it and everyone thinks theirs is the worst. So I love that you talked about that. But yeah, you know, like, we, we get triggered and it's whether it's, you know, I'm not enough or I need to prove myself or if I was good enough, then you would give me this attention. Like I'm not important is a big one. You know, like if we grew up believing somehow that we weren't important and then somebody starts like blowing us off or being late or whatever, then it reinforces the I'm not important trigger. So there's lots of categories of those core negative messages. You know, I'm too much right? How many of us were told, you know, you're too much, you're too loud, you need to calm down, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional. And so they just become part of our identity. But the crazy thing is, and this is the real crazy, is those are identities that stories that we made up to survive or we were told when we were younger and we just take it along with us. And then you look and you're like, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 70. Right. I'm still holding on to this identity that's not really me. And so is there's so much freedom from just giving yourself some grace. We all have it. And then just starting to unwind it, unpack it and start making different choices. For some reason, I was told I was too much also. <laughs> yeah. My mom, my mom used to laugh at me because there throughout college and just different times that I was going through you know, the harder times in my life, I would call her crying hysterically, like toddler hysterical, like it would be spelled out like wah. (laughs) And I remember her just being like, oh my gosh, like this is too much for this situation. And then like, she'd be really worried about me because I was living on my own for the first time. And she'd call me the next day and she wouldn't be able to get a hold of me or something because I was in my 20s. And then all of a sudden, she would get a hold of me and she'd be like, are you okay? I haven't been able to get a hold of you. Everything was so wrong. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that already. (laughs) And she'd be like, you need to like get a handle on those emotions. But something deep inside me always knew that, yeah, I might have really big emotions, but in a way, they're my superpower. I'm also very intuitive. I'm very sensitive, which can be really difficult and challenging when you're extra sensitive. But at the same time, if you learn tools to harness that, it can become your superpower. So I really liked that you touched on that big emotions thing because I talk to so many women who really believe that they are the problem in the relationship because their emotions are too big. And the man in the relationship or the other woman or whatever it may be, have somehow expressed to them like, oh my gosh, you're overreacting. But if we learn that that is our strength and we stop taking that message, then we can do something different with it. Well, yeah, because, you know, and that's what's so crazy is, you know, like when we're younger, 
as women, especially we get knocks against us for our emotions. I mean, even if like, you know, there's little colloquialisms like, you know, put on your big girl panties, right? It's like, you know, there's no crying in baseball, right? I mean, like, and we get taught that our emotions aren't an asset. They're more of like a pain in the ass. And so then we get rewarded by society for not having emotions, right? Like, oh, you're so tough. You powered through, you stayed up all night, you pulled an all nighter, you, right. You are performing. You, she's the one who like, you know, works a hundred hours a week. We get reinforced for ignoring our feelings and powering through life. And so we, then it becomes a practice. It becomes a habit. And the thing is, is in order to experience love, you have to be able to experience all emotions and you can't just turn them off. So a lot of the women that I work with also are just like, wow, I didn't know that was there because I've been so good at brushing them under the rug, covering up, distracting, numbing. And and our feelings, they are superpowers as women. And I don't think there is such thing as like too sensitive. You want to be able to manage your emotions, right? Like in your 20s, you're going to have all these big feelings and you need to be resilient and process through them and make choices. But we can't live really if we don't use our feelings as a way to sort through the world. And so someone says you're too much or you're too sensitive, you're overreacting. I would say that person is maybe not understanding really true emotional intelligence through it may be through no fault of their own. Yeah. And now I am so in tune with those things that when I hear like, oh, you're so strong, you powered through or, oh, you pulled an all nighter. All I'm hearing is, oh, so you're overriding your body's signals and, oh, you're not listening to what you really need. And, oh, you're not giving yourself the necessities. So you're going to feel weaker in a lot of other areas. And so it's so important to take that time to take care of them ourselves, which brings me to my question of there's so many different things about a certain amount of time between relationships so that you can actually heal from the last one and not carry over all of your old patterns into the new relationship. Do you think there's some sort of like length of time that's ideal or how do you treat that process between one relationship so that you can move into the next one as your best self fully having learned from your past experiences? Well, so I believe in what I call tools, not rules, meaning that there are no rules. Like if I told you a month, then I don't know your context, I don't know your situation, or maybe someone will tell you six months. So I think self-responsibility is the most important thing. And What I love is sort of some guidelines, meaning like, so do I feel emotionally available, right? Do I feel like I can trust myself? Do I feel like I can trust men, women, whoever you're, you're dating, right? So in order to continue dating or go back to it, you have to be able to trust yourself and you have to be able to trust other people. So that's number one. Am I, have I forgiven myself and my past? right? So that I'm at peace. Because when we don't forgive others or ourselves, it's like we have little yellow police tape around our heart that says I'm not worthy, right? Because I've done something bad or someone else has done something bad. And so that little yellow police tape will come off as unavailable. It'll leak. So you won't attract the right quality of person for what you're looking for. So you want to make sure that you have forgiven yourself and forgiven your past or anyone else. And then I think the other thing is that you're ready to make space 
in your life to create relationship. And sometimes we need spaciousness to self-care, to heal, to spend time with our girlfriends, to do the things that really fill us up so that when we go back to dating, we feel like our tank is super full. I love that. And you know, it's so interesting in this given time of dating because it's so different than we've ever experienced before. We've got these apps that were just swiping through men and women, just faces and trying to see if this is somebody that's worth taking a Wednesday evening to go meet up with. Do you think that it's becoming harder to make a real connection when you know that there's so much access at your fingertips if this person says the wrong thing two minutes into a date. Well, yeah. I mean, yes and no, right? So we have more choices than ever before. I think one that we were talking about patterns and one of the patterns is FOMO, like fear of missing out. And that's why I use that example of, you know, you go on a date and you really liked him or maybe you didn't. And in let it, instead of just letting it sit and processing, you literally come in, you, you know, throw your coat on the table, you get a glass of water and you literally like click and you're back on the app. And it's like, you're not experiencing or being present in what you're feeling or what you're doing. And, and so I think you're looking for quality, not quantity. I always recommend the guideline of three dates unless there's like giant red flags, people will say there was no chemistry or no connection. And I always say, well, what did you do to create chemistry or connection? Were you open? Were you sharing? Were you vulnerable? Or did you metaphorically or physically have your arms crossed saying, prove to me you're not a jerk like everybody else? Did you share any feelings, right? So it's about taking personal responsibility for what it is that you're looking for, because yes, there's always more. And so you know, what kind of hole in your soul are you trying to fill through the app? Are you really using it as a tool to actually make a connection to have a long-term relationship? If that's what you're looking for. If you're just looking for fun, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of people out there, but what happens is you become like a dating app hoarder and you just have all this clutter and inbox and you're you're not answering people and you're and you don't remember who's who and it notice the feelings that come up about yourself and about dating from that because most people feel like it's overwhelming and that it's not adding energy to their life so make sure it's it can just be like alcohol or food or any other thing that you get addicted to yeah, it's like everything in moderation. And it's so important to really check how you feel about dating. Because if you do have those thoughts like, gosh, dating's a waste of time. Oh my gosh, I've got to go on one more, but maybe this one will finally work out. Probably not. That's the energy that you're going to carry in to that date. And you're more likely to get that outcome. And so I'm wondering though, there are people that are dating through these apps that are really looking for a real relationship. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are using it for hookups, both yep. on the men and women's side. And so, I mean, that's not wrong as long as you're finding people who are in alignment with that goal. But how do you make sure that if you are man or a woman that's looking for a real relationship, how do you make sure that you make that clear and so that you match with somebody with the same intentions? So number one is get really clear on what you are looking for and have no shame around it. 
Because when I'm working with someone, you know, there are instances where that's just stated right up front, right? So it's like I had a client the other day who I think she was on Bumble and she reached out to this guy and he wrote something back and he sort of alluded to like, or, you know, something, you know, like, or other things, if you have that in mind, you know, kind of like alluding to hookup. And she just literally was like, so I'm in a place in my life where I'm looking for a long-term committed relationship. And the story I'm making up from what you said is that that may or may not be true that you're really looking for a hookup. So what I'm getting from that is that we're not a match. And he was like, uh, you're exactly right. Best of luck. (laughs) You know, and so it's like, just, just say it, you know, I think you need to, to be able to be clear on that. And also, you know, my colleague, Matt Boggs says it's a silent movie, meaning that somebody's actions are going to speak way louder than their words. So if someone says they're looking for a serious relationship and their behavior doesn't show it, like their words and actions don't match. Right. Like, I'll call you on Wednesday. You don't hear from them. You know, you notice inconsistencies in integrity. It's important to just honor that and to take it at face value and trust your intuition if you have one and make a different choice. If you're trying to sell yourself on a person or make up a story about why you should give them another chance, really check in with that. And are you making it up or has that person earned it? Because if a person's earned it and they make a little mistake, then that's a totally different story. But really, like, you only give him the benefit of the doubt if he's earned it. Yeah. And also, I know that a lot of us have the tendency to say, well, this date went really well. Gosh, he's so hot. I really loved spending time with him. It seems like he's looking for a hookup and I'm not. But maybe if I play things out longer, he'll get to know me and his intentions will change. Do you think that that is something that we should be doing? Sometimes it does work out. My very first boyfriend, (laughs) same thing. Like I was, again, trying to like win the relationship rather than, (laughs) right? Rather than find, you know, what I was really looking for. Like I was just doing things the way I knew how, which I didn't know how at all. So, (laughs) so there's a lot of people that think, well, this, works sometimes. Should we hold out for that if we really, really like the person? Uh, Like my best advice would be no, uh, because you have to be willing to roll the dice. And what happens is you practice putting your guard up, which most women I find don't need practice. They're already super good at that because you keep getting dinged or disappointed. It just can be damaging long term. What I prefer that someone do is to say, you know, I'm in a place where I'm looking for this. It seems like you're not. And so I'm going to remove myself from this. And also, if things change, like, let me know, because if I'm still available, I I'd totally be back in the conversation. Because if you give someone space, then they can make that decision. That's why a lot of times people will break up and then get back together if they've sort of had that time and they've asked the quality questions and and renegotiated things. But most people don't change. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. So much more fun and easy when someone's looking for the same thing. For sure. And, you know, when I have done those things, like it's so rare for somebody to actually look at the person they're dating and say like, well, she's totally 
Like if they, if that person catches on to the fact that I am settling for my values, I'm letting a few of them go so that I can be here just because I don't really trust myself to connect with somebody that's more aligned with what I really want, that's going to be palpable, you know? And rarely does somebody say, well, this person is settling so much and is not holding firm to what she really wants in life. So this is making her to be a more perfect woman for me, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, no, that doesn't really that work doesn't that way. Happen. And by the way, like, you know, as powerful women, do we want to be like living in a relationship from a place of fear and making our choices? Well, I better do this or he's going to leave me. Most of us would be like, oh God, I don't want to be that person. And if our best friend or our sister or somebody was going through that, we'd say, girl, you're worth so much more. And so allow yourself the gift, getting what you really want and what your heart really desires. So one of my best friends ended up getting back together with her college boyfriend, who, by the way, she had dumped him in college because he was too nice <laughs> and then ended up reconnecting with him later. And now they're married and they have a kid and they're the most adorable couple, which is so funny. And so there is something within a lot of women that there's something about that guy that's too nice. And I think it's being complicated even more by the Me Too movement, unfortunately, because now decent men might be afraid to make the first move or don't know how far to go or don't know how to really show up in their masculinity at the same time. It's not a problem with everybody, but I've been hearing it a lot from different men that I know. So where's that balance? And how do we now move forward with still being very grateful for what the Me Too movement brought, but also acknowledging some of the shifts that might have occurred? Yeah, it's kind of crazy right now in that there's so we're all pioneers, right? There's no we have no models. And so I hear all the time from my clients, a guy's like, well, I didn't like know that if I should like ask you for your number. One of the most interesting new trends is that men are now worried about like being rejected and being seen as a predator which wasn't on the minds of like your average guy, you know, prior to what's been going on in our culture now. And so I would love for every woman to just understand that when they're talking to a guy, like your signals and permissions and consents have to be so direct, right? Like, if you're online and you really do want a guy to call you to say like, I'm still a little old fashioned, I'd prefer if you call me. I'd love for you to walk me to my car if you would. Right. Or, you know, I love Italian food and this neighborhood is really great and nearby. And if you picked out a restaurant, I'd be super excited. I love a surprise. Right. Because otherwise they're like, well, you know, I just want her to pick. I want her to be happy. Or what if I pick the wrong thing? Or I don't want to ask her for her number or I don't want to walk her to a car because she's going to think I'm like a rapist. So you have to literally give your consent in these flirtatious, delicious, feminine ways so that a guy feels safe to let you know that he's interested. It does kind of sound like women now need to lead a little bit more than they used to in a lot of the ways. And so also in relationships, there's the speed in which the relationship progresses. So there's like a few big milestones, like making it official, moving in together, even proposals. Do you recommend that 
the person that is really seeking that next step makes that known or is it more exciting to like give hints and allow the surprise? Like, how do you make sure that the relationship's progressing at a speed that you're comfortable with while not feeling like you're being pushy? That's so great because the thing is, so again, we have no models. And so most of the women that I talk to, you know, they want to be partners, right, with their partner. And no relationship is ever 50-50. I, I was in Italy recently and I saw this couple and they looked so cute and they were totally in love. And I said to my daughter, they were like in their 60s or 70s. And I was like, they're either like been married for 50 years or they're like second loves because they were just adorable. And they'd been married for 55 years and they were in Italy and they were adorable. And I said, what's the secret of your success? And she said, well, 50-50 is bullshit. Everybody has to give 100% all the time. And I thought, so what does that really look like in the space of really wanting to feel supported? And what I kind of drew a conclusion is that when you're both giving 100%, then you are both being partners. And so having conversations about vision and goals, it, what you would do at work, right? It's what you would do in any other situation. So the thing is that you want to have those conversations from a place of partnership rather than this is what I want and you better do it. Right. So let's say you're, you know, in your late 20s or early 30s and you would want to have kids and you're dating someone for six months or eight months. It like, you know, I'm in a place in my life where I'm like excited about the possibility of having family and I love spending time with you and I love how close we're getting. And I was just curious, where are you right now? What's going on for you in this relationship? What's your vision? And you should be having those conversations, right? Like what, what's your vision? What are you looking for? What, what's, where do you see yourself in three years, five years, 10 years? Because those are the kinds of conversations that grownups have when they're dating and when they're looking at having relationships saying like, well, we'll talk about money later. We'll talk about kids later, or we'll talk about, you know, I want to get out of the city and I want to live abroad. Well, you know, I'll, we'll just deal with that later. Those are accidents waiting to happen. You know, that's heartbreak on the horizon. Yeah, I I do love that. That it's all about clarity, really. Having clarity first with yourself yes. so that you can communicate with your partner. Because you can't a lot of us are like, well, these conversations are so difficult to have. But have you sat in stillness and figured out what you really want? Have you assessed with yourself how you feel the relationship's going so that you can see, you know, what might need improvements or, or where there might need to be further progress or whatever it is? If you have that utmost clarity with yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to go into those conversations because you're going to feel confident about it. Well, well, absolutely. And the thing is, is we want to be able to feel safe, right? And so creating the inner safety and that empowerment that we talked about kind of at the front end of the conversation is what allows you to have the difficult conversations or to be vulnerable and tell your partner what it is that you really desire and want. And so you have to have that that foundation of strength and resilience and also have a partner who wants to have those kinds of conversations because I think it's important to understand that the guy who is your person wants to make you happy. And so even if he's maybe not into personal development or won't listen to the same podcast, he wants to make you happy and he's a human, 
right? And he does have feelings. And so where on the scale or spectrum does your guy fall? Um, it's going to be different. Knowing what you want and being able to feel safe enough to have those conversations is really important to sustain a relationship. And I know it's hard and it feels scary, but I just think if you look at, well, I'm willing to get naked with this person, you know, I'm having sex with this person. I'm grocery shopping with this person. This person, you know, knows my family or, you know, this person has held my hair when I had the flu and I got sick. You also want that person to be able to give you emotional safety because that's the space that's going to, you know, have you be in that long-term relationship that will last. Well, for my final question, I'm curious about for my single people, while they're single right now, what are some practices or activities or something where that they can do to really start nurturing their soul so that they can make sure that when they do go into a relationship that they are equal to the type of person that they're looking for or they're basically at the same frequency as that person that they want to attract? I got two little exercises that are my favorites. Number one is I call it the weekly 50 stack. And the weekly 50 stack is a list you write of 50 reasons why I'm lovable, why I'm a good catch, why dating is fun and easy, why every guy would be lucky to have me. Whatever it is that you are trying to install in your psyche, the 50 stack is a really great exercise to remind you of your lovability and your worth and your desirability. So that's number one. And then number two is I call it the 20 interaction challenge. And you can do 20 interactions a week. You can do 20 a month, however you want to do it. But the bottom line is, is that you decide I'm going to have 20 interactions with people I don't know a day or a week with no strings attached. I'm just going to put my phone down. I'm going to look up. I'm going to smile and I'm going to conversation. I'm going to be open hearted and I'm going to be friendly and I'm going to engage. And it literally gets your mojo going of being open and being out there and being engaged in the world. And you would be surprised when you start this to realize how shut down you are when you're out and about in the world. So I've had clients do this and they're like, wow, like I realized I wasn't making eye contact or talking to anybody. And that interaction, like, so how's your day going? You know, at the gas station, the person, your Uber driver, right? Like, so, you know, like, what do you love about driving Uber? You know, Like having an interaction with somebody, it gets you practice at engaging, being open, listening, and being really present in your life. And so when you do the 50 stack and you do the challenge, it just like everything opens up. I love that. And I can see how it can really help you even open your energy and become more aware about what you're focusing on in these little interactions. I remember there was a time years ago that I made it a point to make sure that when I was talking to somebody about something, I was connecting on something positive instead of negative. I know some of us have a tendency to be like, oh my God, can you believe that guy over there? Or whatever it might be that's irritating you at that moment, because it's a weird like bonding thing. But then that's the energy that you guys are kind of creating together. So I love how you can be practicing on smaller interactions because you can take those into your longer relationships in a pretty big way. So thank you so much for all of the tips that you brought today. And for listeners who are interested in learning more about you or possibly working with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you? 
They can go to datingwithdignity.com or they can look for our podcast called The Dating Den, which is everywhere, and get more information uh, in those channels. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash zero nine zero. So I actually did another episode on dating, empowered dating, actually, with my friend and dating coach, Evan Rose, way back in episode 44. Oh, how cute. It's basically the half-life of mind love. So if you're single and need help in the dating department, I do recommend you go back to that episode as well, because we covered a lot of the things that we didn't cover in this episode. There were a lot of clarity exercises to help you really, really get clear on what you want in a relationship, where to even go out and meet the people where you're going to attract the right kind of person for you and tips on how to start sustaining that relationship. So I remember getting so many comments back when that episode first aired. So these two episodes together, I think will be really, really helpful if you're trying to get clear on that Mr. or Mrs. Right. And you know, if you have that friend who just can't seem to find the right person or has a broken picker, (laughs) send them this episode. Or take a screenshot, share it on social media, tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. And if you have a free moment, please leave a review on iTunes. Those are really, really helpful. I know I stress it every single time, but if you haven't already, you listen regularly, I would absolutely love to hear from you and I would be so grateful. And finally, if you know of any events or event planners who are looking for a public speaker on the topic of self-love and creating a structure around the way we care for ourselves, please send me an email at melissa at mindlove.com or just go ahead and recommend me. It doesn't have to be a big event right now. It can be your daughter's school or a corporate or community event, whatever. So if you know of anything, keep me in mind. And otherwise, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibe.